0: Around the NFL Podcast is gonna
1: lock it up. <laughs>
2: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Oh yeah, Mark Zessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys?
3: Hey Dan. Here well, we are we, sorry, we encountered an absolute disaster in this studio today. Uh, When we marched in,
2: do you know what's funny when I walked in and I saw glitter and confetti all over the studio? um, I didn't even have to know what it was about because I know Sheck had been texting and tweeting about his 13 and three Steelers prediction for about seven months. Um, And I figured that it probably must have come up and this was a celebration. And that's exactly what it was.
3: Absolutely, and involved. I mean, I, you know, I came in a little early thinking, hey, let's prep the show. Let's mm-hmm. get off to a quick start here. Let's be organized. And instead, they're trying to wrangle NFL media cleaning crews to come in <laughs> and vacuum the floor. And I did hear NFL <laughs> <media> <laughs> cleaning a friend of ours blame himself for the fiasco because I guess what happened was they poured this glassy confetti on top of Sheck, which was painful. But it was, it was none other than a man from Britain, NFL UK, handsome Hank. Interesting. He is the culprit, according mm. to his own hmm. words. Well, it words. really
4: starts with Damashek and you know this okay. self glorification about something absolutely no one could care about. I will mean, he it, throw a
3: party it, when they are fourteen and four? <laughs>
4: it's like it's like throwing a party for winning your fantasy league that your friends aren't in. I mean
5: it's <laughs> it's cares? quite the unlikely accomplishment
2: that Shack will take <laughs> that
5: means absolutely nothing in life.
2: Uh, And I do like the idea, and it's such a classic third floor move, third floor executive move. And make no mistake, that is very much what Henry is at this stage of his career. Good for him, Uh, is to walk downstairs, uh, pour some kerosene, light a match, and then take the first elevator back up.
3: Mm. That's what happened in the studio today. We're (laughs) making friends all over the place here.
2: We four, John. Uh, we, will, we will fight on. You know why we're going to fight on? Because this is wild card weekend, and you know what that means. This is the, the Crucible. The Crucible. This is when we separate the men from the boys, Wes.
5: The Crucible is my favorite bull of the whole bull season. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, we have four games this weekend. Uh, we have four teams on bye the top two seeds in each conference. Uh, but we got some bangers. And, and and I just want a little note, did a little research this morning, did a little search. Um, because there are some, if you go in the desert, the people are saying they they have a pretty strong feeling what they think is going to happen this weekend. There's some heavy, um, can I say favorites? Yeah, yeah favorites is yeah. just a word. That's people right. that are favored to win by the football cognoscenti and the fans.
5: Right.
4: The home teams are all favored this weekend. Yes, You're not breaking any news.
2: A little home team buzz. If you're just curious, okay, so does that mean all the home teams are going to win? Well, history says perhaps not. Last year, all four home teams won Wild Card Weekend. The year before, do you guys remember that? Maron. Did they all all lose? Four home teams lost in 2015. Uh, Three of four uh, home teams won in 2014. Three of four home teams lost in 2013. 500 over the last four years. Yep. And three of four uh, won in 2012. So the last five years, do not pencil in these home teams. In only one year out of the last five, did it go chalk? Um, but maybe this year is a chalk year. It just looks like that, but who knows? Well, yeah,
4: a lot of those years, the, the road teams you know had better records. Especially in the AFC. you know, I think a lot of people would be surprised if those teams, Titans or
2: Bills, go win a game,
4: but that's why they play them.
2: And the other exciting thing, this is a big weekend for the Around the NFL podcast. Um, some changes around here, and some of those changes have resulted in, yes, opportunity. Listen,
3: it's knocking.
5: It's knocking, baby. Open the door. Let it in.
2: The Around the NFL podcast will be going to the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum this weekend uh, for the Rams uh, tilt against the defending conference champion Falcons. Uh, and Greg Rosenthal will be writing for NFL.com. He'll be. Thank you very much. Here
1: with NFL.com's Greg Rosenthal. The NFL.com. The NFL.com. The NFL.com.
2: So my favorite thing is when I saw that's Amber Theo Harris's voice who's one of our uh, great uh, hosts on the network. She had heard through the grapevine on, on Twitter that, that her voice had been used in a drop and she couldn't tell if it was like being used at her expense and she was like, what the hell's up with this drop? Are, well, are you guys it, making fun of well,
3: at me? At this like, point, no, 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 the no. drop's
4: lost all context, and 95% of people listening don't even...
3: <laughs> she, still gets th- a, she still gets a tweet or two every time yeah. it's used in our show, and I think she's as confused as ever by whatever well, it is. And I should make it clear that Amber is a very good sport
2: about it, yeah. but she was... Um, Definitely confused when it first came. Do we have any? We haven't heard any of these Rosenthal drops. Do you have any others, Erica, to share with
1: it's us? NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal. <laughs>
2: hey. oh <my>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the
2: Beatlemania one. I like that. You got another one, Erica?
1: Yeah, give me a second.
2: Yeah. There's Erica behind the glass, by the way. Hmm. Lindsay out of town. Loose, Hi, guys. Loose cannon. She's loose cannon. getting ready for that Justin Timberlake halftime show. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Jared, <laughs> Erica knows every step to the Bye 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 dance, by the way.
1: Darren's dance grooves, um, videotape VHS, back in the day.
2: Do you need a couple minutes? Should you want yeah, to come back? Yeah, I'm just We have this?
1: a lot of networks. Yeah. Um, I'm not seeing a lot of dot .coms. All right, that's well,
2: that's fine. Network. He's a
1: big star now.
2: He is. Are you gonna do network
1: stuff in New Orleans?
2: No, oh, no. Yikes. All right. Anyway, Greg will be in the Superdome uh, on Sunday. We'll be at the Calcium on Saturday. So th- good things are happening for the show. And of course, it's all possible because you guys listen to us. So thank you. To the listeners, now it's time to get to the games. And uh, why don't we go in chronological order? There's damn glitter all
3: over me. <laughs> what I mean, we'll there's s- a shower in our in our facility. Maybe you head there after this. You want to join me? <laughs> totally inappropriate.
2: Saturday will start with the number five seated Tennessee Titans. They made the playoffs. How about that? They're in and they're looking to win. And they're going to go to Kansas City to face the Chiefs. Uh, A tough matchup. The Chiefs, of course, I think they won their first playoff game in something like 25 years last year, the Chiefs. So they got that uh, monkey off their back. Now they're trying to actually make a run. Well, they were trying last year. Yeah, didn't Uh, win a game last year, a couple years ago. Was it a couple years ago? It happened. It was, you're right, it was two years ago. Oh, it cost Brian Hoyer his job. Oh, that's right. Uh, He he cost himself his job, but yeah. The 30-0 glory fest. Anyway. But now the Chiefs are playing really well, Wes. They they started 5-0, and they lost 6-7, of 7, and then one out, uh, four straight. And what version of the Chiefs is going to show up in January in the Crucible, Wes?
5: Uh, I would consider the way they play at home in that stadium, especially on defense, I think we're going to see the one from the third season. They had the first season, like you said, where they won, the second season in the middle where they lost – I think they went one and six and then they closed out the season in a flurry, playing well on offense. I, I think we're gonna get I think we're gonna get a romp here. The Chiefs mm. are playing really well.
2: It's amazing when you look at their last loss of the season was at the Meadowlands against the Jets. Um, And we all know the Jets are not a good team. And Marcus Peters having a meltdown, throwing a penalty flag into the crowd, going back to the locker room, coming back out when the game was still in doubt without shoes, and they they lose the game. And you're just like, the Chiefs are done. This team lost (laughs) it. And we all counted the Chiefs out. Um, on our Pick'Em show the following week. We all picked against them in their game uh, against the Raiders. They won that game. They have not lost since. So they did survive that, and they're a better team for it, I think.
3: Marcus Peters is PFF's number one quarterback in the last three weeks. I mean, that Jets meltdown, and then he got a break after that. Maybe that helped. This defense has been a completely different defense. I remember watching some of those Chiefs games and thinking, okay, look, they – are one of these teams that peaked way too hard in September, and they're not coming back. And it's quite remarkable to see that they are now playing on offense. They're averaging almost 29 points a game at the height of their powers. So they're a very dangerous team in the playoffs that I don't think a lot of people are talking about because when you think of the Chiefs, it's hard to unlock what we thought about them for years on end.
4: I think that this is their best chance to make the Super Bowl under Andy Reid. Maybe not their best team necessarily. I don't know if it's that much better, but I just think the AFC is more open this year. If I'm a Chiefs fan, I like the matchup that they could be going to Foxborough. If they win this game, That. That is what is going to happen, and I think they like that matchup better than playing against the Steelers, who've had their numbers. And they're exciting to watch. I mean, if you just looked at the numbers and you took away the names, if you had said before the season that Alex Smith is going to have 26 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 4,000 yards, and 8 yards per attempt, and then you look at Kareem Hunt leading the league in rushing with a ton of receiving, and you look at what Tyreek Hill did. Tyreek Hill had 1,183 yards on only 105 targets, which is unbelievably efficient. I know he's not a, a conventional number one receiver, but for what he does for them, he is so effective. And then you have uh, what was at least the most consistent pass catching tight end in the league. Like the the Chiefs that are not fun to watch are gone. This is a fun team to
5: watch. They're totally different than the Chiefs we think about from a couple of years ago. I agree 100%. This is their best chance to get to the Super Bowl under Andy Reid. And if you made Tyreek Hill your flex option on the All-Pro team, it would not bother me one bit. I think he's been that
3: important to this offense. It's been like a series of, of in the draft, acquiring stars, game-breaking stars on offense. And you know they we always thought of Alex Smith and there's a reason for it as this guy unfurling like worm burners and <laughs> middle of the field passing game but he's been a deep ball passer i mean where is he in the mvp race this year i know it doesn't matter if you're not one or two but i feel like even though we talk about him a lot the alex smith campaign has gone a little bit under the radar yeah he's not going to get a vote probably,
2: but no, no it's his best season. I mean, he set a career high in all those stats that Greg just mentioned. He's a top five player in metrics and a lot of the key stats over any quarterback this season. And on the in terms of what what he does, what he's best at. And this is a good stat from PFF and uh, the Titans defense. They can get to the quarterback. They had 43 sacks this year, which is top five in the league. Uh, Alex Smith leads all QBs in passer rating and accuracy rate when he's not under pressure. So if they keep him clean, if the offensive line does their job, Alex Smith is going to pick apart the Titans just like he's done to many teams this year.
4: He, he's kind of a one-read quarterback, and then he runs a little bit, not too different from Tyrod Taylor or Russell Wilson in some way and, and certainly uses his feet on third down. Like, the Titans are not an easy team to run against. It, it's hard to really see the Titans winning this game. If they're going to do it, it's with turnovers. But then you look at the Chiefs, they've turned the ball over only 11 times all year that's one of the fewest in NFL history like they are so, it's such a great combination of big plays and being careful with the ball that they're going to need Adoree Jackson, for instance, to maybe make a play. like Him versus Tyreek Hill is about the fastest matchup you can imagine possible in the NFL. Like That should be fun to watch. And, and the Titans, we give them a lot of grief. They've played pretty well the last two weeks. I mean, the, the Rams game was a tight game, and they ended up taking care of business and beating the Jaguars in a game they have to win. They, they should get some credit for that.
3: They are the only playoff team of this entire field— to get into the playoffs with a negative point differential, yardage differential, and turnover differential. Eight teams in 25 years have done that. They've all lost in the wild card this round. the
2: AFC in 2017.
3: I, Greg, I think you're reaching.
2: What?
5: On this Titans
3: have played well thing.
5: They didn't play well on offense at all against the Jaguars. They won
4: the game, though. I'm just saying we give the Jaguars a lot of credit. They beat the Jaguars.
5: And they lost they to a 49ers team that went 6-10. and 10. I mean, you're very that's a reach.
4: I'm just saying the last two weeks – they played the Rams and the Jaguars, and those two games were pretty even. And we kill the Titans. Look, I don't I don't uh, think the Titans are going to win. In fact, I'm going to lock this game up. I'm just saying if we want to give them any hope, it's Marcus Mariota having made big plays at the end of that game. You know, you had Rashard Matthews a couple weeks ago saying – you know, just let Marcus call the plays, play hurry up the whole time. They have done that a little more over the last few weeks, and you hear Delaney Walker say, you know, sometimes you just gotta overcome coaching, and that was Mariota at the end of that game just kind of taking it into his hands in terms of the running game. If he's if he's as good as we used to think he is, maybe he can just have a great game against a you know defense
3: that's not. You have great. no DeMarco Murray. Henry Travis Henry Derrick Derek Henry last week had what, fifty one yards off twenty eight attempts? Yeah. It's just, just not a, a team that imposes its will on the ground.
5: This running game has been dead in the water in the first quarter of almost every game they've played. If you're looking for hope from the Titans, it's not on the offensive side of the ball. They mm-hmm. are a broken offense, and they have been all year. It's on defense where in the second half of the season, they allow eight fewer points per game than they did in the first half of the season. They're top five in every rush defense category, yep. and they sack teams four times a game in the second half of the season.
2: All right, Wes. Each of us are going to have a chance to surface this. And since you haven't brought it up yet, I'm going to set you up here. Mm -hmm. What is one big freaking question connected to this game? Which is
5: more criminally underrated? That Titans defense that I just talked about with all those stats in the second half of the season. Or Alex Smith, who has a phenomenal year, finishes first in passer rating first in t- touchdown-to-interception ratio, first in deep passing, first in deep accuracy, second in yards per attempt, <laughs> and has it all mansplained away by analysts as he doesn't, have mansplained. To do- he doesn't have to do that much in that offense. Bull crap. He had a great, great season, a top-five MVP season. Who is more criminally underrated, Alex Smith or the Titans defense?
3: Alex Smith, because I think most people – look at the Titans' defense and don't really have much of a takeaway at all half the time. And so th- in that sense, they probably are not seeing the positives. But Alex Smith, people go out on a limb to destroy the guy. I have been super critical of him in the years past, but this is a different Well, and he season. was a nightmare
4: for three or four weeks, a bigger nightmare than anyone that would be in the MVP race had for three or four weeks. No, and he I do, wasn't a bigger nightmare than he, Russell if Wilson. If you watch him play to play in terms of the throat, some throws that he's missed and some of the dropped interceptions, I don't think he's been – as on fire, even down the stretch. He's playing well, but I don't think he's been yeah. as on fire as the numbers say. Okay, but, we, but That's we, what uh, I'm
5: saying. Everyone's pi- Everyone picks at Alex Smith, but they don't pick at Russell Wilson. They don't pick at Tom that's
3: Brady. Fair. It's, everyone's it's looking right. for reasons why Alex Smith shouldn't be trusted. And we always laughed at the concept that Jake Cutler could grow or evolve as a quarterback this season and others because he's of a certain age. Alex Smith did grow and evolve this season. He's a totally
5: and, different quarterback this year.
3: What? A, that's unusual. What a story it would be. If we had Andy Reid trying to
4: win his first Super Bowl in Minnesota and Alex Smith trying to win a Super Bowl, <laughs> like the Super Bowl that Kaepernick couldn't get you know, in San Francisco, it, it, like at the, the moment where this guy's coming up behind him, it would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Patriots had lost, but
2: it would Do not fun. sleep on Alex Smith. You're making a mistake. Because even before he had this um, this elevation to his game, to me, like ten, probably not that I have a, a hardcore ranking in my mind, but two of the most memorable playoff performances by a quarterback in this decade, Alex Smith, when when he beat uh, the top seeded, I believe they were Saints, who were defending Super Bowl champions, a Candlestick on that. Uh, Passed to Vernon Davis. He had four touchdowns in that game. Threw for 300 yards. And then he absolutely torched the Colts in the 2013 playoffs. They end up blowing the game in, in crushing fashion, losing 45-44. And Andrew Luck played out of his mind. But... If Dwayne Bow doesn't drop a, a deep sideline pass late in that game, he might have the greatest statistical playoff game in, of all time. He, I think he ran for 100 yards, <laughs> close to a touchdown, threw four touchdowns. This guy, Alex Smith, is not afraid to play in January, and that's why I'm also
3: locking up the Chiefs. I love him in this matchup. This definitely leads to the Chiefs losing 17-14 on the last there's second. There's a lot of, no there's a lot of heavy favorites,
4: and there's, every team is a heavy favorite at home. This is the one game that I truly expect to be a blowout, which will probably be wrong. I mean, I'll be happy, and I'm sorry, Titans fans, but you have to feel a little weird. You've got to enjoy this moment, but there has to be a part of you that wouldn't mind Mike Malarkey losing his job. Because I'm tired of watching this running game. I'm tired of watching Eric Decker on this team. I'm tired of watching just a, a passing game that doesn't take advantage of the talent that's there. It should be a passing team. And they can't get it done.
2: You're kind of funny, Greg, with the head coaches stuff because you're always a little bit uncomfortable when we play hot butts and talk about who you get fired. But lately, you, you Mike you McCarthy out. and Mike Mularkey, you like you like want these guys to be thrown in a river. You, you shrug those concerns <laughs> off. No, and
4: you are you are out for blood. Mark's the Spagnolo. one who throws them in a bag in a river. You know, people contain multitudes. Greg has you know? got it's a handful played.
5: of whipping boys. He does. He does. All right. I'm sick of watching this
3: Malarkey.
2: Give me a break. <laughs> the late Saturday. It's been like night 20 game. years now, he's been. A part of our lives. It is time to t- talk about, yes, the team of ATL. The team of ATL. The number three seed, the NFC West champion, Los Angeles Rams, the hometown Rams. And they increased the capacity of the Coliseum, from what I understand. Um, hopefully, they can get about 80K in there. I don't know. We'll see if they do it.
4: Good seats still available. So if you're in the L.A. area, go to, a, go to a playoff game. This is the best game of the weekend. Tons of tickets are still out there. It's
2: nice. crazy. Nice pitch, Greg. The Just Falcons coming stayin'. into town 10-6, and six, an up-and-down season, but they closed out um, quietly, I would say, uh, winning six of eight to, to lock in um, that, that uh, number six seed. So they're in. They have a chance now, uh, Mark Sessler, to rewrite uh, a wrong in their team history. The worst loss in the history of the playoffs, I like to think, uh, in Super Bowl 52 against the Patriots. Calm down, Erica. I know, you just have it. You got stars in your eyes. I'm,
1: I'm still a little, like, nervous about the Chiefs, you know, beating the you Titans. Be. And then we play. Like, that's, like, what's on my mind. Right? Erica
3: mentioned this the other day. You think the Patriots are vulnerable. You lack your typical... Steely confidence about New England. Oh, my God. That was off video. the
1: record, Mark. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that
1: was off. No, I, I, am, I, am, I am not as confident as all you guys are, but I'm also superstitious. So I'm not going to just be. Cut no. to the,
2: the, the Amy Schumer wine drinking. Yeah, game. I'm not confident at all. <laughs> I don't think they're making the Super Bowl. We know See? that. We know. But yeah. you've been saying that for <laughs> 10 years.
4: <laughs> since we've known you. It's not true. Some it. years I, I've been wrong about it the other way.
3: Um, it's a weather-worn right. narrative. Yeah, so the
2: Falcons have a chance now to uh, to make peace with themselves in the playoffs, but they got a tough assignment, Mark, a very, very good Rams team playing in their building.
3: Very tough assignment, and you wanted one big takeaway for these games, and for me, no, I didn't ask for that. What was the Not term? A takeaway? Good question. One big freaking question. One big freaking question is is there a <laughs> is there a game that we will encounter <laughs> all season that shows us how to <laughs> the look. Every podcast.
2: <laughs> the look. Ooh, the
3: Are we good? Are we, good? we loose, done, Erica? The
2: loose cannon Sessler dynamic sometimes approaches the Sessler TD dynamic, where there's just a
3: lot of heat and electricity. Well, I respect Erica, so that's it's a little <laughs> different. No, I like TD too. Uh, look, I guess I just look at this game it. and I cannot find – I'm just going <laughs> to talk through it. I'm just going to talk. Uh, no, you got it. Enough. There no, you go. Enough. <laughs> he
4: just threw his phone.
3: That's Someone gonna, else go. That's only going to hurt you. One big freaking question, Mark. Right. My one big freaking question do it, Erica. is, honestly, I cannot find a game <laughs> all season that shows us how transformative one off season is to the next. Because this Rams team – is what we looked at last year with the Falcons and said they, they have suddenly peaked going into the playoffs and could take anyone out. Their offense is so potent. And a year ago, the Rams were an utter laughingstock. And you couldn't find anyone to do anything other than point fingers at Jeff Fisher and that front office and say you've utterly failed in a way that few NFL teams do. By sticking in the mud with that coach and that whole program for two or three years longer than you do. Now we have players on the Rams talking about Sean McVay. Mike Silver wrote this great piece where he got everyone to talk. And, and, and Andrew Whitworth, who's four years older than McVeigh, said that anyone who spends five minutes with him comes away from it and goes, That kid is not 31. And he pointed to multiple Hall of Fame players and said that when you meet an Anthony Munoz, a Jonathan Ogden, you just know, forget their background, their age, wherever they are, that they have something special that makes them set apart in the NFL circle forever. And he meant, that's Sean McVay, he said. And I, and I, I cannot fathom where we'll be with this guy half a decade from now. Um, don't get mad at
2: me. But that wasn't a question.
3: <laughs> well, I wasn't done. <laughs> oh, okay. And on. I'm not going to finish. <laughs> but I'm locking it up! are going to whip this team. Wow. Team of
2: ATL. That was quite eventful the last couple minutes on this show. The
3: Crucible. That's it. That's
2: what it's like at the Crucible. But I would love passionate. to know, honestly,
4: Mark, what is the question? It's passionate the inside the Crucible.
3: I guess I was going to ask, can you find a game that shows how much teams change over the course of one season? Can you point to one game in the playoffs or all year. This is the one that shows me how far two teams have come. And the Rams haven't, the Falcons haven't bottomed out in a negative way. But Dan Quinn was everyone's man of the hour a year ago. And now we're questioning if this coaching staff has done a good enough job with this yeah, team. That's the only thing I'm thinking about. And
2: McVeigh is basically, it makes me think of, I remember when I, way back in the day, when I was working at a newspaper, and um, they had just come out with, or uh, what was that movie, The... Eminem movie where he's in the rap battle. Camp. Eight Mile. Eight Mile. Eight mile. And I like that he turned to me for pop culture. Yeah. Questions. yeah, well, I know that's kind of in, yeah. you were in your 30s at that point. You were still kind of in the zone.
4: Yeah, well, that, that little whippersnapper, <laughs> Eminem, with the
2: rapidy rap, right? Eight Mile. So Eminem had been on a string of unprecedented success in hip hop for about four or five years. And uh, this guy that I worked with, Jeff, he said to me, oh, Eminem's the new Elvis. And nobody laughed him out of the room because he was that like, popular and, and and crossed all what genres now? now it doesn't age so well. I guess that's what I think when I think of McVay, that he's at the top of the mountain and we're saying he's the greatest coach that's ever lived. Let's see what he looks like in 10 years. Dan Quinn, the, the, the bloom came off the rose in one year.
3: It's a great point because the Rams next year could lose one or two people and be scoring 17 points a game. But McVay's all that said, been-
2: all that said, let me just say, I'm not taking anything away from McVay. Yeah. I think he's in the sweet spot right now. He's on a roll. He's feeling himself. He loves the team. The team loves him, and that makes them super dangerous.
4: I, I think, though, this is the most dangerous matchup they could have had in the- the NFC. I kind of feel like the Ram- Rams are my Super Bowl pick
2: at like this point. like Team but of ATL, baby. But
4: I feel like if they could, they could also lose this ACL. week, I feel like if they get past this week, they're going to go. But this is a dangerous matchup, not just because the Falcons have experience and motivation and all that, but because their defense is playing much better over the last half of the season and really the last two weeks. And when you watch... The Rams, they're always much faster than their opponents. This week, they're not going to be faster. That is a fast Falcons defense who has played well the last couple weeks. If you look what they did against Kamara, uh, what they did against McCaffrey, they've done a good job shutting down running backs for the most part in the passing game. Like They are a, a fast group that I think if Grady Jarrett has the type of game that he's had a few times this season, including last week, can get Jared Goff off the spot and his numbers when he is – pressured are not good it's one of the biggest gaps in any quarterback in the league in terms of when he is pressured and when he isn't and I think that's a that's a recipe to keep this game close I think it's going to be a great game
5: what's you're right about golf and the pressure but what's so great about McVay and and what does make him a coach that I'm not worried about in 10 years because he is so unique you don't hear comparisons to Bill Walsh very often but when you watch the Falcons last year and the Rams this year like Mark said It's the Rams this year who have wide open wide receivers, huge throwing windows, and defined reads for Jared Goff that Matt Ryan doesn't have this year because he misses Kyle Shanahan. And that's the difference between these two offenses right now. The Falcons would scare me a lot more if this game was in the dome, if they were playing at home, because their run-and-chase linebackers, their safeties are so much faster on that dome and the fast turf there. They average about six points more allowed on the road than they do hmm. at home.
4: If, if you're going to come up with a few people to help slow down Gurley, and I think if you can slow down Gurley, then you have a chance. Like That's the offense. It would be Dion Jones to me. It'd be Devondre Campbell. It'd be Keanu Neal. Like, these are guys that can make an impact.
3: I feel like even if you slow the Rams down, they're still going to score 24 points. Yeah, you're going to have to That's find fair. a way. The Falcons, like, they look fantastic for a five- or six-minute drive, and then they go utterly to sleep. Mike, my –
2: and nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. If Todd Gurley, for whatever reason, had to exit the lineup, is Jared Goff good enough to keep this team afloat? No. In a game, in a crucible scenario? Sean McVay
5: is, though.
4: Yeah, I mean it's kind of getting the receivers open, and the the Falcons secondary has played well lately. Uh, again, the la- again it's been the last few weeks, but I trust I trust McVay. I tr- you know he com- he schemes very well, not just before the game, but in terms of adjusting inside the game.
2: I love this game. I agree. I think this is going to be the game of the week. I see the Rams winning um, in a close close game, but I could definitely see it going the other way, and that's that, that's
3: other way for the Falcons.
2: I could see it going to the Falcons, too, because they really did, despite being disappointing, despite the fact that... This, that, is, this is huge for you. You haven't given the Falcons credit I all year. I was, I'm going to give it to them a little credit right now because they got to 10 wins. They found their way into the playoffs.
4: That was a playoff game last week, yeah. and I think that kind of matters. And they I, showed up in what was a playoff I game. I locked
2: up against them for that very reason. I just didn't think they had the juice in them, and now it's almost like they take that confidence in they have to be feeling good about themselves. I find it interesting still... And I know this has been talked about a lot, but um, our research notes noted that the Matt Ryan to Julio Jones connection, uh, 86.9 passer rating. The league average exactly. How does that happen? How do they change that? Because I think their their playoff hopes ride on them rediscovering their mojo. It's been over 100 that passer rating uh, combo uh, for every other year since Jones came into the league. Uh, just like Larry Fitzgerald and Kurt Warner rode a wave into the Super Bowl uh, all those years ago, I think Jones and uh, Matt Ryan need to get hot. I don't know if it's going to happen though, because we haven't seen it for 17 weeks.
5: There's a lot of balls that go off of Julio Jones' fingers these days, and he they're, had not all, they're not all drops. This year, here they're not all—they're not all drops. There's a lot of throws into tight coverage that were huge open windows last year.
4: I, the reason I like the Rams better, obviously, in this game, but. Is that they're so balanced. There's no team in football outsiders history I I believe that they've measured that was top six in offense, defense, and special teams. Like the the Rams defense has been under the radar, but Wade Phillips has done as good a job with this group as he's ever done just about in terms of turning them around. And it's a lot of the underrated guys. Aaron Donald, I think, should win defensive player of the year. But Michael Brockers, I know you tweeted about him. Uh, earlier this week, Wes has been really good uh, disrupting plays up the middle. Lamarcus Joyner, I I got I had someone ask me for you know they had an All Pro ballot and I was co- trying to come up with the the safeties. Uh, Wait, the,
2: they shared their All Pro ballot with you? Well, they
4: said, hey, do you have any suggestions? Yeah, do you have any are we, s- suggestions? Are we cool with that, the, uh, or is that I I think that what should be encouraged? Yeah. That if you're a, it was, I wasn't the only one. He sent it to three or four people and he was kind of just trying to get
2: a was appeal. it Tom
5: Curran.
4: It was Tommy. You know, I yeah,
5: know I think that's... that's great. It's a beat writer who he has to watch so much film on the Patriots and check in with his own. No, I sources. think it's fine. I'm just. Joking. I
2: mean, I'm
4: just like <laughs> that's cool to me. Like you don't have a chance to watch all the films, so ask guys who do watch. I th- I threw in Lamarcus Joyner as my as like the nickel safety. You can add like a fifth defensive back, and that's how good I think Lamarcus Joyner has been this year. You have Josh Johnson, who's been a great rookie
2: safety. It's like they are deep on that defense. A team of ATL. And by the way, Ooh. this is a Son of Bum Wade Phillips, first time back in the Crucible since uh, the the Crucible. Crucible. celebrating in Santa Clara. Hmm. The Don't sleep on the Son of Bum cooking up something. The flummox, Matty Ryan in the big spot. It's a good call. All right. Let's move on. Should That's we, a great game. we all everyone? pick it. I guess we're all picked. Do we all have the you locked up the Rams, Mark, correct? That would mean I've picked the Rams. You Wes, we haven't heard your exact
5: pick. Well, I I look at the difference in coaching. Last December, these Falcons went into L.A. and ended Jeff Fisher's coaching tenure there with the most embarrassing loss of the season. Mm. And now the Rams are the better team, and I expect them to win 30-24 to
2: Rams. I like it. All right, moving on to Sunday. The early affair uh, is a matchup between the Buffalo Bills – uh, of course, we're kind of a heartwarming story at the end of the regular season when they won in week 17 and then got that uh, miracle touchdown from Andy Dalton. Wes, I, I was wondering why you were so mad. I saw that cost you three sandwiches. It did. I'm not play. happy about that. Because yeah, I, 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 she would have been 11 and 5 it been for a... the uh, regular season. That one hurts, and I get it totally.
5: Yeah, that was the butterfly effect. People don't understand <laughs> how much that one Andy Dalton passed. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's like a $170,000 pass, as Greg said, for the underserved children of the Andy Dalton <laughs> building. <laughs> uh,
2: so the bills are a great story, but maybe the story doesn't have a great ending because LaShawn McCoy got carted off. Uh, in that week 17 win against Miami. He hadn't practiced all week. I read this morning that he came out for the stretching exercises with the bills this morning being Thursday and then left the field. I don't know if it's because it was barking or that was just always the
4: plan. He did not practice. He did do the stretching, but yeah, that was, so
2: I, I would imagine McCoy will give it a shot um, considering he's never won a playoff game uh, in his career. And he's probably amped up for this game. But at the end of the day, um, the Jaguars are the better team um, in a lot of phases. But I will ask my one big freaking question to get this game conversation going, guys. And it's a simple one. And there's no no reason to sugarcoat it uh, or try to uh, gussy it up because it's the only thing that matters in this game to me. Which version of Blake Bortles shows up in the Crucible? Because that's all that matters. Mm. That's it. And everyone's disrespecting Blake. Uh, Jadavian Clowney calling him trash. You know, for no reason, just decided to to go to the the press with that after
4: he trashed the the Texans. Yeah,
2: Jarrell Casey, I believe, uh, went out of his way to say that uh, Blake Bortles will choke uh, <laughs> <laughs> if if you give him the chance. Kevin Clark over at the Ringer wrote a wrote a good piece about. Um, why does everyone think it's, you know, why is it okay to just constantly rip on Blake Bortles and Blake Bortles' reaction to it all is a shrug of the shoulders, even when his old old dad has thought about, like, going after people that <laughs> rip him. I don't know if that makes me more confident in Blake, that he doesn't even seem to process that people think he's terrible. But anyway, that's the key, uh, Mark. Is Blake Bortles going to throw this game away? Because if he just plays at
3: a, a league average, a replacement level, they're going to take care of this Bills team, right? I think so, and I think that you got to show me what on Buffalo is going to generate that kind of performance by the Jaguars in general. Because a lot of times it's not just Blake. Blake Bortles makes some bad throws, but a lot of times when they don't, when they're trying to play from behind or the running game isn't powerful the way it was in some situations, that, then then the mistakes occur. I just don't see Buffalo as a team that can impose its will on. Really, anyone in this playoff group? I, I I like the story of the Bills. I love their fans. It's all a good thing. But but the but the Jaguars have also yes, they've had bad Blake Bortles games. They've also had kind of contests where they've dropped bombs on people, scoring 35, 40 points. I see this as a game where Jacksonville is going to basically also say this is our first home playoff game in ages, and we have pride in that, and we're going to show up. I don't think it's a no-show for Blake Bortles and the Jaguars.
5: I think the version we're going to get is the one where all he has to do is turn around and hand it off and cruise to victory because this is not just the most lopsided matchup in this year's playoffs. It's one of the most lopsided matchups I've ever seen in the wild card round. What do the Bills do well? Their secondary is really good. Other than that, they've got an injured running back who had 1,000 more yards for scrimmage than any other player. The best player. Easy. 1,000 more yards for scrimmage than any other player on their team. And and he's playing injured. I, I think the the Bills are thirty one in run defense since they traded away Marcel Darius. I think the Jaguars are gonna run it down their throats all game.
4: See, I don't I don't think it's necessarily that one sided. I don't have a strong feel, but if I had to pick one team that how, could, how is that it could not get it upside because in what way the is the Jaguars, not lopsided. The Jaguars are inconsistent enough that they can get swept by the Titans. Like, so any team that can get swept by the Titans, it's not the most lopsided I'm talking about two games. games. I'm talking about the the week before also that the Jaguars played. They're a a fine team when they played better competition throughout the year. Sometimes they play well. Sometimes, you know, it's a toss-up. When you watch Bortles last week, one of the problems is the offensive line. And he, in a way, hasn't gotten enough credit for playing behind a really bad offensive line throwing to two rookie receivers. His best receiver, Marquise Lee, has not practiced yet this week. He might try to play on Sunday. He's throwing to an undrafted rookie and Keelan Cole, and he's throwing to DD Westbrook, who basically barfed on himself last week, but with an alligator arms... Um, miss and a drop in the end zone really hurt their chances. So you're counting on two rookie receivers, and you're counting on Blake Bortles against the defense. If they do one thing well, it's keep it in front of you, make you work down the field, make you execute, and you have a really good secondary. Can Blake Bortles go up and down the field and do that against sure, a, a, a well coach? They haven't run the
3: ball particularly well either. They're Are not you? a great D- offense. D.D. Westbrook has been uh, – I get last week he's been He's good. been great, but he's had a rough couple of weeks. Rappaport thinks Marquise Lee is coming back and they also have Cam Robinson, their left tackle back. Havoc was caused with no Cam Robinson last week. Are you bringing back barf? He he
4: barfed all over me. But you're bringing it back. I like it. I, I didn't know it was gone. Um... Here's That's the case. A better quarterback on Buffalo and a better coach. Here's the counter. I'm not a, uh, There's more to the I case. I don't think
5: there is a case. L- Leonard Fournette
4: it. has not been playing extremely well in the second
5: half of the season. So And they have one of the deepest backfields in the NFL, so okay. turn to Chris Ivory or, or TJ
1: Young. He was a healthy all scratch right. last week. So so against a
3: horrible run defense. What about the Doug Marone factor? Does that matter at all if you're Buffalo?
1: Mm.
3: We didn't even bring it up on our last podcast. You have Doug Marone going against the team that he ditched.
2: Yeah, it is a, a revenge game for somebody, I guess. Um, Not for Doug Marone. It's <laughs> a the, revenge game for is, the
4: Bills. I mean, their ownership I was think... talking trash on Doug Marone just this offseason. This
2: is this is the playoffs. Weird things happen. And, Wes, you've, you've hit on this a lot this season that the Jaguars are a great team as long as they don't fall behind. And I don't expect them to. But what if a special t- team's play happens? What if Bortles does throw a pick, a pick six, something bad happens, They fumble, and they're behind and they have to throw the ball. I just think the Jaguars aren't good enough on offense to be a huge favorite over anybody. I, I, I expect them to win, to be
4: clear. I it's, too, just the, it's just life is unpredictable. It, football is unpredictable. And this is one where I could see them coming up because I do like the coaches better. I think Sean McDermott's really good in game. I think Tyrod Taylor is a much more trustworthy quarterback. He's a game manager. He's very Alex smith like in terms of he avoids mistakes. He he doesn't go for it too much, but he's a great running quarterback on, a, on third downs, and in a low-scoring game, I kind of trust him more than Bortles. If
5: you could draw up a team that the Jaguars would most want to play against and not worry about falling it behind, it would be the Buffalo Bills with an injured
4: LaShawn McCoy. They don't scare anyone! Right, but do the Titans? I mean, they lost the game where they gave up 230 yards last week, so they're they're capable of the doing The Titans
5: that. play good run defense. The Bills are a pushover against the run.
4: I mean, I just
3: don't I don't see any, I don't know. This is a lot more We're this just ignoring in- Jacksonville's defense too. It's not right. been the right. greatest 14 days for Jacksonville's defense. Oh, they but played that's great the last best week. unit. Yeah. In this,
4: in this, by far, game, and that's why they, they should. Leaps that's they? why they should win. They're second in the league in interceptions. The Bills are sixth, so it's a game that you would expect to see some turnovers. But you're right, the Jaguars' defense is so much better than anything else in this game. Logically, that's why they're huge favorites. I mean, they are a monster. They're more than a, you know a touchdown favorite in this game, which is which is saying this a game's lot. A lot
2: more fun for a team that's lost two. Well, Sean McCoy doesn't get carted off last week, then yeah. you can really kind of maybe talk yourself into this this game and maybe an upset, but. Let's, let's pick this game. Um, I, I'll, I'll put it out there. 20-6, to 6, Jaguars. I just don't think the Bills will move the ball, and that's the most likely outcome, and, and Bortles won't be given a chance to beat them.
3: I'll go 24-12, Jacksonville. Otherwise, you have Buffalo going to New England. <laughs>
2: yes, we do not want
3: Which that. Which, you know, that's a thing. If you want this storyline, and that's fine. It's, I, listen, Buffalo has a bright future, but you put Buffalo in New England next week. Come on.
2: The story, the the story, the fairy tale. I don't even know if they have a right The Bills future. just getting to the playoffs. Yeah. Do not do football gods. Do not send me the Bills going to Foxborough next week. I don't want any of that.
3: They have a good coach. Go- I think they have a good coach, Greg. That's what I mean.
4: Yeah, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna have to have the best Bills game uh, that we've seen in a while. Uh, but this was a team that went to Kansas City, won a game. It. They somehow had Jordan Poyer win defensive player of the month. They've got a good secondary. I'll go Jacksonville, not really having a good offensive performance, nineteen to ten. Wes. Uh let's see. Six hundred nothing. I mean I get that the Bills are
5: a feel good story. That's great. I'm glad I'm glad they're here. That's fine. Everybody is going way overboard on how good this team is or, or where what they are as a team. I, I can't, could not wait to lock this game up, which I'm doing, because it's the easiest lockup I've chosen this year. 34-9 to 9, Jaguars over Bill. Mm. All right,
2: there you go. One last uh, thing before we move on. The Bill's last playoff game uh, was, I believe, January 6th, 2000, ending that long drought this week
5: the Music City Miracle
2: game. Yes, the 8th, but yes. And, and by January 8th. And by the way, NFL Network, you know. Uh, you know, throw these Bills fans a bone. You put the Mus- Music City Miracle game on today, sending them bad juju, but the Titans are playing too, so I get it. Mark, <laughs> where were you on January 8th, 2000? What was what was Mark Sessler's life like at that point?
3: I had I basically had moved back to my parents' house. Been there for about 72 hours. I had a job as a copy editor at the Boulder Daily Camera in Boulder, Colorado. And and this was, um, I was going to be there alone when this menacing Y2K event was supposed to happen. (laughs) And I said, no, I'm not doing that. So I, I left the job. And I left Colorado. I'm not gonna be the only person in the newsroom when all technology blows up. Wait, you left because of the Y2K yeah. threat. I mean wow. I also I had a, I had a like a blooming relationship with a girlfriend starting to happen on the East Coast, so things aligned a little bit. But yeah, I wanted nothing to do with this task. And I was home, what? I watched really? I watched the Music City Miracle with my dad and we had a great time watching it, but there were always lingering questions even hours later of what are you doing here? You're like twenty six like, what is your plan? And, the, you know, that came up roughly every year with whenever I'd come home for the holidays.
2: So. <laughs> what about you, West?
3: I, I, too, had some
5: Y2K stuff going on. I was working <laughs> at the law firm, uh, you know, living a pretty fairly easy life just reading, like, H.L. Minkin and Hunter S. Thompson while I was supposed to be working. But the Y2K scare... I had to physically go in and change our retention dates on all our files because they were all due to expire on 2000. Like, one, one, two thousand. So right. I had to clear all that. But I would say around this time, retention. I, was, I was absolutely mortified by a fiance who had engaged herself to me <laughs> and threw like a holiday shower party in which my family members would buy us like Christmas ornaments and stuff. Oh, no. So I, well, I for like this few weeks stretch around Christmas and New Year's, I was trying to find a way to disengage, mm. extricate myself from the situation, and it, how could I do this before like the the mo- the wedding actually happens? That was what I was going. And you to. got out.
2: Wow. Yeah, I disengaged. Do You survive this. Or you're going to survive the Big C. You're a survivor, Wes. <laughs> big Big C was a little bit tougher of a battle. I don't know, man. That sounds like a tough situation. <laughs> I was ensnarled. Yeah. Um. 2000 I was 19. I was trying to figure out my stuff. I brag. I was I had spent um, New Year's Eve when the Y2K ball dropped in Boston and a friend of ours fell through a frozen pond and almost died. Oh. Um but she survived. Shouts to Michelle for surviving that. Survivor. Huh. I had um I was taking a winter course and I met I had like a first kind of real girlfriend. Uh, this girl that uh, listened to the Magnolia soundtrack all the time at this stage because that movie came out the prior month. Amy Mann. Yeah, a lot of Amy Mann. Great. Good soundtrack, great, soundtrack. great movie. Uh, and I, just, I discovered classic rock around that time. I was getting into <laughs> a lot of Springsteen. How did it take you that Petty, home? It the, seems the Beatles, yeah, uh, The Stones. I remember I was gobbling up a lot of the classics uh, musically at that time. That's, that's where I was. Mm. It didn't work out with Dana, but nice girl.
3: Lisa Michelle lived. Yeah, <laughs>
2: she did it. She fell through the pond literally, and then that's scary. You could. It was eleven o'clock at night in the middle of a park in Boston, and uh, easily could have just died in one of the worst ways to die. That's top ten. Well, that, fall through you, the yeah, ice. you think
3: about that, then you can't find the hole, and then right. suddenly you're fifteen yards out. You're gone. Hypothermia is a yeah. She that's, had to walk back yeah, to that's an a apartment. Nightmare.
2: I don't even like thinking yeah, about that. It was, yeah. Anyway, she lived. Another survivor. <laughs>
1: Mr. Deeds, the black foot that crushes the ice to get her out. Remember that scene? <laughs> he, like, takes out his black foot that has no feeling.
2: Kind of a millennial ref to drop Mr. Deeds, the Adam what? Sandler vehicle. Yeah. I didn't see didn't that Didn't see one. Mr. Deeds. I cashed out on Sandler around um, that stupid football movie. <laughs> water water, water, water,
4: Yeah, that's about when I
5: checked out. <laughs> a couple
2: of years ago. Oh, it was yeah. right before that. I had just gotten out on Sandler.
4: My memory is generally very foggy, but I do remember exactly where I was. <laughs> Greg for, wasn't <laughs> alive. He wasn't <laughs> in no, early 2000s. I remember exactly where I was making fun of the ESPN broadcast of this game. It was the worst crew in the world, Mike Patrick, Joe Theismann, and uh, who else? Paul, Paul McGuire. Mag- you Maguire. want to talk about
3: a guy. Here's a guy. Right. And What, I, what was happening in your life? I now? was
4: in Atlanta. <laughs> That is Greg's life. Uh, His Twitter no. bio says it all. Football. No, I was. That was probably the least into football I ever was because it was junior year of school. I had come back a little early. I think we did New Year's in Miami. We had driven to Atlanta to see a friend I was with, uh, my friend Anthony, who I did uh, a podcast with, Tony <laughs> GVP. and uh, you know there was a lot of a lot of you know not a lot of sobriety feel like there was a lot of drugs in the mix only mm-hmm. time in atlanta but i remember what kinds very kinds of drugs all sorts who knows oh, you
3: mentioned on our last show what kind of drugs but
4: so. yeah we were visiting a friend we had made from the summer but i remember it snowed there which is rare in atlanta and when we left the next day i've never felt quite so stupid as i realized i had gone the wrong way back to new orleans when we Got close to the state line for South Carolina, (laughs) and I was like, "Wait a second, South four states away." No, it's one state. It's right. It's pretty close to Atlanta, Atlanta, relatively.
5: In Louisiana?
4: Yeah. Well, I basically I was headed north out of Georgia instead of headed west. We were sitting there, and I'd like to think I was sober while driving, but that's I don't even know there. And Uh I looked, I looked, (laughs) and I said, "South Carolina." I said, "Well, this is a problem. We're going the wrong way here. We gotta get this thing turned." (laughs) But maybe the
3: reason day. we claim that Greg has no memories under a certain age is that he's yeah. changed an identity to shake what seems like a <laughs> hardcore drug addled, maybe criminal past an was, a narcotic I was you know I was all. sober driving
2: I was fine. just since I'm you met and since you mentioned it it actually was ten years and one day later uh from the th- january eight two thousand the worst announcing uh setup ever in my opinion maybe you guys remember it I remember it obviously because it's the jets but um, the 2009 wildcard playoffs against the Bengals. The NBC had to just put together a group that had never done a game, uh, just the way the schedule felt. So they had Tom Hammond, Joe Theismann, and Joe Gibbs uh, yeah, bro- broken out of mothballs and Tiki Barber on the sideline. And there were actual stories written about how poor their announcing was. I remember that. Well, G- Gibbs, Gibbs got a lot of
5: heat. What's yeah. the common denominator with those two broadcast groups?
2: Uh...
5: Joe Theismann. <laughs> Theismann. There he is. All right. By the way, I remember that Jets game. That yeah. was like the first of the Marvin Lewis era losses in the playoffs.
2: It was the kicker. Sean Green hit a big. Shawnee. Shawnee ripped up the Bengals, and uh, the, your kicker missed a bunch of kicks.
3: Didn't they lose back to back to them?
2: Yes, the Jets shut them out in Week 17 when it didn't matter. For was season. that the news? Uh, the news. Yep, the news missed. I think, and
4: just the, the just the you know postscript. For Debbie Rosenthal, my mom, who's probably listening. Yeah, I was definitely sober drunk. <laughs> she is
3: horrified. There's no – you've yeah. – you know, the cat's out of the bag. Yeah,
2: but, uh, it, yeah in, <laughs> in the words of Goodwill Hunting, it's not your fault. You can only control what you can control. All right. Last game, Sunday. The Carolina Panthers traveling to NOLA. Oh, yeah. Greg's going to be there. Uh, the Saints and the Panthers, two 11-5 teams. The Saints won the division, so they get the home game. Uh, and New Orleans, Greg, defeated the Panthers twice in the regular season. They got to make it a hat trick.
4: Both times it was convincing. Uh, Both times Alvin Kamara played great. Drew Brees played terrific in both games. That was the last game that I was at was was Panthers-Saints. That was a game where Cam Newton in the passing game was not very effective, and so I'll start with my question, which is very similar to yours, but I'm not— you know, creative, creative enough to pivot. Which Cam Newton's going to show up? Because we've seen Cam Newton. This is New- your one big freaking This is my one big freaking question. Let's brand it, right. It's, it's easy to just remember last week, really the last two weeks of Cam Newton being very scattershot, but you don't have to go back far to see Cam Newton play absolutely fantastic against the Minnesota Vikings. 31 points against the Vikings. Have one of his best games, probably I would say the best game of the season just three weeks ago against the Packers when they put up 31 points. Which Cam Newton shows up? Because
3: if it's, if it's the bad Cam Newton, they, they got no shot. I just don't like what's around him right now, especially in the passing game. You've lost all your speed. You're whipping the ball downfield to Devin Funchess. And who else at this point? Greg Greg Olson. Dad, but Dad Runner Greg Olson. You're they are up seventy-five <laughs> points to the Saints in two games this season. So if it plan. follows that script, you are going to have to hang with the Saints. And this Panthers team, if we're going to give the Falcons credit for showing up last week and knocking Carol out, Carolina out, the Panthers had a chance to win their division and would have had they done the same to the Falcons. And they were, it was the flattest game they've had yeah. all year.
2: I was disappointed. I was disappointed. I was surprised. And I, I feel like the Saints are so well set up for a deep playoff run and especially to get out of this first round. They're they're so they're such a good team. They're a well balanced team. We know all about the running game and how they have two fifteen hundred yard guys. But Drew Brees, what he's been able to do this year, they played asked really him, well. asked him to do less, but he became more efficient than ever. Still a stud. Don't don't pay attention to the fact that he dropped to 24 touchdowns and less than 5,000 yards passing. He was still Drew, Drew Brees, and then he got the defense with those playmakers, Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore. They had did, had such a great offseason, and, and I think they're a well-rounded team like the Rams. Could be a collision course there, and I mm. I, I I would I thought about locking this game up. I felt that good about them, but the Saints seem like they're set up well, and the Panthers, I don't know. I don't know about the Panthers.
5: I, eh. I don't know how anyone could answer Greg's question confidently. Because there are weeks when Cam Newton looks like the 2015 MVP Cam Newton, and there are weeks where he looks like the guy who showed up in the Ryan Lindley playoff game, <laughs> and his body turns into a corkscrew when he throws the ball. He has no uh, mechanics. They're so limited. Yeah. You never know from week to week whether his mechanics are going to make him throw everything too high and off the mark or whether he's going to be fine. So I have no confidence in my ability to predict which Cam Newton will show Only, up. flip.
3: Only Deshaun Kaiser has a worst QB rating on third down than Cam Newton, and they're going to face some third downs. Marshawn Lattimore didn't play in either Saints-Panthers game. Right, although in this game, it's almost like, you know, Lattimore will shut down
4: Funchess most likely, and that'll be big for the Saints, but it's almost like it's, he's wasted because they don't even have any receivers in particular. Funches is going to be their guy. They're such a slow passing attack. This was supposed to be the year, remember, that they didn't have Cam Newton run as much. He right. ended up running 49 more times for twice as many much yardage as he did a year ago. But I also don't just chalk this one up to a Saints win. A, they're division opponents who know each other well. And B, the Saints haven't been that good. They lost to the Bucks last week. They were outplayed by the Bucs last week. They're 3-3 three and three over the last six weeks. They haven't topped 100 yards. They've rushed for over 100 yards once out of the last four weeks. Kind of the team that everyone got all excited about in New Orleans. Maybe they can get it back going for the playoffs, but it hasn't really been around for six weeks. They haven't been that good of a defense. The running game, at least just for the last month, has been a little erratic. I think that's really on the blocking, and they hope that Teron Armstead, their left tackle, will be back in this game, and that'll definitely help. Uh, But they haven't really run. It's been more Drew Brees making plays, kind of old school, the last few weeks that's really gotten them through. I would counter by saying to me in the two
5: games I saw between these two teams yep. the Saints clearly have the Panthers number. Yep. They the Panthers have given up 120 yards on the ground only twice all year. Both times were to the Saints. Kamara crashed them. Controlled the games from the from the outset.
4: He made Keekley and Davis, especially Davis, but even Keekley had a pretty bad game in New Orleans. Like he just made Dave Thomas Davis look
2: old. That's tough to do. I don't know how the Saints are going to travel if they get out of this game and if you send them on the road. But at home, I like like them a lot. And Drew Brees, for the record, um, as you might expect, because he always seems to play well in the playoffs, has been um, awesome at the Superdome in the playoffs. uh, Has won all four games, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, pass rating of 117. I just don't see them scoring less than 30 points in Mm. this game. And I don't know, with Cam Newton being such a scattershot guy, Wes is right. Maybe the 2015 Cam shows up, and it's not impossible that that happens. But you really need – you have to kind of
3: hit on blackjack, I think, to beat the season.
4: They're missing five starters on defense to to where they were at the start of the season. Six if you wanted to count Delvin, bro. So it is not – Yeah, you're not going to get the
3: 2015 Panthers defense, which has given up this year 24-plus points, I think, eight times. It's like – it, this is not – if you don't watch – if you just sign up for the playoffs, you don't even watch the Panthers, you think, oh, they have a great defense and it's the same thing as before. It's not the same defense. They have player – like, they. I could
4: see their defensive line in their front seven taking over for one game, but they haven't really done it uh, week after week. I'm curious to see how, like, one of the great rookie classes in NFL history shows up in this playoffs. I mean, we're going to get the offensive play at Rookie of the Year? Most likely – We're definitely getting defensive rookie of the year, and then Ryan Ramchick, their right tackle, has been their best offensive lineman. Probably Marcus Williams has played every snap, had a couple picks. I mean, he's played really well. It's like one of the best rookie classes we've ever seen.
2: What do you guys think of this game? Who's going to win?
3: I think it's going to be close. I I'm going to go Saints twenty three, Panthers twenty, in overtime. Oh,
2: little OT magic, Wes.
3: I think Cam Newton
5: uh, has to carry too much of the load for this team right now, and I don't trust him. I don't trust the MVP version to show up. Mm. The Saints have been a better team in both both games these two teams have played. I'm going to go Saints, 27, Panthers,
2: uh, let's say 20. I want to pick one. Upset. <laughs> keep picking teams. I know, but it does, there's so we, a reason we, we, why, by so the we're way.
4: We're going, what, 12, 16 for six? We all pick all favorites all around. But you know, that's fine. If
2: The desert people feel the same way, too. I mean, it's like that type of round. Chances are one of these teams are, are going to blow it. And I think the Saints probably will be that team if MVP camp shows up. But I'm not banking on it. So I think it will be 31 to 23. Saints role.
4: I, I'm, I think the Saints will win a close game, 27-24, some, something like that. I don't feel great about how they've looked going into the playoffs. And I, I like Cam's chances of kind of coming out. And maybe it's on the ground, but doing something in the big spotlight.
2: All right. There you go. The wild card round preview. The next time you hear from us will be Sunday night. We'll be all over the country. Two of the four stadiums. That's awesome. I can't say that enough. I love that. Um, watching the team of ATL, the Saints, uh, but it will be. We should root for a, a
4: Saints-Rams-NFC championship game so we can go back to the Coliseum for the NFC championship. Rams Ooh, hosting that All four that of us. I like, I like
2: that. There's a good chance of that happening. Um, and I am warning you. I am warning you, football gods. If you <laughs> damn send the bills to <laughs> Foxborough oh. next week, I will end you.
3: Well, you have their ear. I thought you were going to They listen to your every command, so that that should go over fine.
4: I don't say, uh, you know, no injuries to major players, but no, it was self-interest.
2: And no disrespect. (laughs) No disrespect to you Bills fans, because I know I was on your side last week. It's just I'm, I'm thinking a bigger picture, football fan thing.
5: I don't get the logic on this one. If your imagination can conceive of gods, <laughs> wouldn't those gods be powerful, powerful enough to shut down whatever threat you
2: have against them? A lot of a lot of that checks out, Wes, uh, <laughs> but I'm just expressing my my thoughts and using the football gods as kind of the vehicle. We'll have a little fun on the podcast. Oh, yeah,
4: and before we go, Mark, don't, do you have a big question you want to ask? I'll ask it to you after the show,
2: Greg. It's going to be big. <laughs> do you want to die? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Erica, where were you in January 2000?
1: Second grade. Ah.
2: Oh, that's adorable.
1: I just buried my time capsule for the two oh, nice. for the millennium. And I came home and my mom was like, so what do you, like, what's about society? What do you want to put in there? And I was like, oh, I have this shark tooth that I got in Florida. She was like, <laughs> what? And that's what I buried. She you sacrificed like, it? It was like in a little jar. Like I got it as a she trinket. Like, take, take my Zolak jersey, mom. Yeah.
3: <laughs> were you a promising <laughs> student or the opposite?
1: No, I was great. Mm, according to who? Uh, <laughs> Records. Okay. Records. <laughs> Google.
2: <laughs> well, it sounds like it was the first time you disappointed your mom, perhaps. But no,
1: Definitely not the first. <laughs> oh, not the she first. was like
2: a shark, too. <laughs> when do you open the time capsule?
1: I, it's still underground.
2: Time capsules, I am out. Come Those back, things never get opened. Come back to us, time capsule, because anytime you try to go get it, you can't find it. It's And plus, they're not sealed properly, so uh, time ravages it, and it, it's all worm feed.
1: But imagine you're digging in the future, and you're like, oh, my God, this was buried in 2000, you know, the millennium. Let's see what society was like back then. Right. Here shark is tooth. A yeah, shark I remember tooth. a lot
3: of shark tooth
4: back
2: then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's
3: what a the megalodon. Shark tooth. I don't know. Well, that's a very second-grade interest.
1: I get that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Legendary.
2: Erica. JT, one month from today.
1: His single comes out tonight, and I heard a little rumor that Beyonce's on it.
2: Okay. And I still believe Janet will be at the Super Bowl. But- oh, I hope so. All right. We've got a lot, of, a lot of time before then. This is the Crucible. Uh, let's get out of here. Dan is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, the loose cannon behind the glass. Oh, yeah, baby. Playoff football. Let's fly. Till Sunday. Are you doing, like, a, a club remix banger?
3: <laughs>
2: oh. DJ Marshmallow back there. Well, Marvin Lewis is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to go somewhere. What's your favorite type of frog?